Paul and I would like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people. We would like to pay our respect to the elders both past and present of the Kulin Nation and to other Indigenous Australians who may listen. Hi, I'm Beck, And I'm Paul. And this is DVD Clutter. Hi, Paul. Hi, Beck. Welcome back. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. It is. That wasn't sarcastic. No, yeah. It sounded sarcastic, but that was my (laughs) sincere voice. (laughs) No, it is good to be back on the airwaves, on the digital airwaves. Doesn't really go through the air, does it? Well, I guess it kind of goes through the air from your little earbud into your ear. Like 5G? Oh my god, that's no wonder coronavirus travels yeah, through that. Yeah, our podcast is so awful, it's caused the virus. <laughs> oh my god, imagine. Oh dear. Well, here we are. We had a we had a little mini break, didn't we? We did. How exciting. An unscheduled mini break. It was exciting. Yeah. Hopefully got everyone to catch up on any missed episodes. That's right. There's plenty out there. I actually started getting Maybe it must have been a couple months ago I started getting those Facebook reminders of like one year ago today. Wow. We posted this, we posted this. So we've actually been doing this for over a year now, I think. Yeah. Crazy, right? That does make sense, doesn't it? I don't know. Because the episode number we're up to. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Of course, dear listener, you are listening to DVD Clutter, the podcast about DVDs and decluttering. Every week we watch a film from our DVD collection, we chat about it. We um, debate it, and then right at the end, we decide whether we keep it, we donate it to an op shop, or... We marry it off to a European prince. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I don't know. What were you going to say? <laughs> no, I was going to say we spray it with a water hose. Oh, uh, yeah. From my favourite scene in this film. That's a more niche reference to the film than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd actually have to have watched the film to understand that reference. What are we looking at this week, Beck? Um, This week we are talking about The Prince and Me. This fairy tale is about to get real. That's the tagline. Really? I'm now holding up the DVD case for Paul to see. Yeah. You can see there's the very beautiful Julia Stiles on the front cover. And that prince guy. That dude who plays the prince. I feel a bit bad for him. Yeah. Luke Mubley, I think his name is. Uh, Made me think of Remember when we watched Emma and Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, very famous. Very famous. Guy from Emma. Not, Not less famous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I think at least the guy from Emma, he was like a bit older. So he must be 35 or something when he did that film. Yeah. Maybe even older than that. But Luke Melbley here looks about maybe 25, 26. Oh, yeah. And he's probably thinking, I fucking made it. I'm in a movie with Julia Stiles. This is... Hollywood movie. The lead. Yeah. I'm the lead. I'm a prince. My career's about to take off. Little did little did he know. But I wonder what happened. I didn't even IMDb. Oh, I, I know a little bit. He did The Prince and Me 2, The Royal Wedding. Okay. So he was in that one. Where, Ju- where Julia Stiles was replaced with a woman yeah. called Cam Heskin, who I don't know very much about, but I did find out that she played Elizabeth Bennett. This is pretty random connection, but... Mm-hmm. I think we can generally find a connection. We're doing the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with the films that we've been studying, in quotation marks. Yeah. So she was in the... Do you remember when we did Napoleon Dynamite? And I was like, oh, there's this whole world of 
Mormon films. Mormon movies. Yeah. yeah. So this woman, Cam Heskin, who took over from Julia Stiles to play Paige, was also played Elizabeth Bennett in the film Pride and Prejudice, a latter-day comedy, which I told you about when we yeah, did yeah, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. So, so random. Wow. Yeah. She's got a good, strong career in B-grade movies. Yeah, in obscure films. Yeah. Is that B or is that like, you know, lower down the alphabet? Yeah. Maybe D. Maybe D. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Cam. But Luke, so he did the second one, Prince and Me 2, and then there was a Prince and Me 3. Oh, I know. I've seen some of that one. Have you actually? Is that the elephant one? It's called the Royal Honeymoon or something. I don't know. It goes wedding and then honeymoon. Oh, there's one with elephants that I saw a bit of. Well, well, this might help because he's Luke Melby is not in the third one. He is in the second yeah. one, but he's not in the third one. He decided he'd had enough. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's okay. Yeah. And then I looked on his Wikipedia page and he hasn't worked since 2018. Oh, I wonder what he's doing now then. I know. Maybe he's a teacher. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was one with elephants in it. One sequel. Maybe. I mean, they might have gone somewhere with elephants in the honeymoon. Yep, you're right. You can go places... Well, you used to be able to go places with elephants. No, you can't go bloody anywhere. Yep, that's it. Are you trying to Google it? I am. And it has come up. The Prince and Me, The Elephant Adventure. What? Which was the fourth one. There's a fourth one? Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, Julia Stiles did not return for that one either. <laughs> Imagine if she just skips, she skips two and three, she comes back for a surprise visit in the fourth. Oh, but Cam Heskin's still in it. Oh, good on her. I mean, she's onto a good thing. Why not? Yeah. No, because I remember when I sort of moved into this house I'm in now, we turned on the TV to sort of, you know, like at the end of a day of moving or something, and it was just the last few minutes of this randomly on TV. So what's the fourth one called again? An elephant love story. The elephant adventure. Oh, the elephant adventure. Why? Also known Why? as The Prince and Me 4, or The Prince and Me 4 Royal Adventures in Paradise. Or did they just go on an adventure together as king and queen? One year after their royal wedding, King Edward and Queen Dr. Paige Morgan... Queen Doctor! Here, <laughs> queen Doctor. I love it. ...received an invitation to attend a win- wedding of Princess Myra of Sangyun. Mm-hmm. Upon their arrival, Paige finds that Myra is unhappy with her arranged marriage to the brooding, sinister car, and he's secretly in love with a young elephant herder named Alu, and so on and so forth. Oh, my God. That sounds so um, colonial. Yeah, I remember there was a ninja in it, too, from memory. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. Anyway, we're not talking about number four. We're we talking about... Be, Maybe I should buy it. Anyway, yep. The very first one, The Prince... We are talking about the first one. ...and me. So this is my film, which... Is, which has no wedding in it. Um, no wedding. My film, my DVD, mm-hmm. may come as a surprise that it's not How did you come across this one? Look, Paul, I don't actually remember how, how I came across it. I definitely didn't see it at the cinemas. I don't even know if it was released on cinema. At, on cinema? I don't know if it was yeah. released in the cinema. I think it was. Yeah. I think the yeah. other two, the the other ones were released, obviously, straight to... VHS slash DVD. Yep. But I don't think I saw this at the cinema. I think I probably just saw it at Video Easy. And I've always loved mm-hmm. Julia Stiles, so... Oh, of course. Friend of the podcast. Yeah. 
friend of the podcast. So I saw her and was like, great, Julia Stiles as a princess. You know, I love princess films. Obviously, it's got some attempts at feminism in there. A lady doctor. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought in this day and age? Yeah, so I think that's how I got it. Like, I think I probably just would have got it from VOEasy and then liked it, loved it, in fact, and then borrowed it again. But it was pretty late, like, to to my embarrassment. This is not a ever-after situation where it was, like, something that I kind of grew up with. This is this film is 2003 or 4? Yeah, 2004. Yeah. So I was old enough to know better. I might say, but that's it. Great. I was thinking I do have some like enduring memories of this. I think one of them was one of them was leaving it at a friend's house and then getting the friend to bring it to me in <laughs> Melbourne and then at the handover point having that realization of like, "Oh, I'm probably too old to need this back." Yeah. Yeah, I probably could have just left it at my friend's house yes. and just not asked for it back mm-hmm. and now I'm a bit embarrassed. That was one of the memories. The other memory is of really loving this outfit that Julia Stiles has on the front cover, which is a half-made ball gown, which is not the yeah. ultimate ball gown that she ends up wearing, but it's like a... No, weirdly, they spend a lot of time fitting her into that one and then randomly at the ball she's wearing something different. Yeah, which I always interpreted as the one they were fitting her into then turns into this other one. Like, that was like the base layer and then you know how they build on top of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, but I love this one way more. The one that she actually ends up in in the movie at the ball is not for me. Pretty hideous, I think. But this one on the front cover I really love, and I um, would have loved to wear this. It would have been one of my... When I was considering outfits for, like, my 21st birthday party or graduation, you know, that kind of thing, I was always had this dress in mind if I was going to get something made. And I still would, to be honest. Like, I'd... I'd Definitely wear that dress if I got invited to a ball. <laughs> not enough balls, you know? I agree. There is not enough balls. Sometimes a girl just yeah. wants to fucking dress in a ball gown. Oh, it just sounds like a good... Like, I mean, I know at the moment they wouldn't be going ahead anyway, but... Um, yeah. But I think they are fun. You know, there's all the things you like. There's drink. There's organized dancing. Everyone knows the moves to those dances. Um, yeah. You can dress up. You can gossip. Sounds great. It's my favourite idea for a social occasion because I am much prefer a social occasion where there's something to do there. Yes. I'm not very good at, you know, where people are like, oh, well, I'll just sort of hang out. Yeah. Not and good at that if then, there's like a structured thing. Start like an a impromptu dance floor and we'll just like, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, I've always much better. Yeah, like, that's, you know, I prefer like if I'm going to someone's place, it's to, you know, have a meal or play board games or something. I don't like the yeah do nothing. Yeah, that's fair. So having, yeah. you know, if we were all brought up like proper young adults, we would have all been yep. taught how to do the, I was going to say the cha-cha, but it's clearly not the cha-cha that they do in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I, I was know, only what, thinking what of Foxtrot and that's not <laughs> it either. <laughs> that's not it either. Those fucking dances that Jane Austen did. Um, yeah. It would be great. Any other enduring memories of Prince and Me? I watched all the special effects, uh, special effects. I watched all the special features again and they were all very familiar, as in, okay. I'm pretty sure I watched the shit out of them when I was yep. younger. So, yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think that's it, really. Yeah, I have vague memories of it as being a film that my sister watched at some point growing up, you yeah. know? Yeah. But got it mixed up with The Princess Diaries and 
Yeah. Another prince. Is there's an there's another princess series, isn't there? Is there? Yeah. Anyway, they were all sort of jumbled in my head. Um, I should give people a plot breakdown. Yeah, do I? it. I mean, it's it's going to be complicated, but you can give it a go. <laughs> Basically, there's this girl, Paige Morgan, played by Julia Stiles, and she's at uni. She wants to become a doctor and go work for Doctors Without Borders. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were introduced to her. She's um, from a farm. Yeah, actually, that's that's an important bit for later. She's from a farm. Yeah, um, country girl. We also find out about this prince, right? Prince Edward, he's a prince, but he's a naughty prince. He goes on car races and such, and the tabloids love him because he's so he naughty. kisses lots of girls at the same time. Yeah, has racing cars, and his parents are a bit sick of that shit because his dad's probably dying or whatever, and he's going to be the king. Yeah. So they're like, hey... You need to grow up. And he's like, cool, I'll go grow up in America. Because he'd watched a video where it was alluded to that girls in America would get their breasts out um, if you asked them. Well, it wasn't alluded to. It was like... Yeah, no, you're right, Specifically shown. It was explicitly (laughs) shown. Wisconsin girls gone wild or something like that. Yeah. So he was going to go to Wisconsin. He goes to this university. He brings along his bodyguard chauffeur dude soren yeah turns out this is the same university as Paige. you thought they'd forgotten about her but nah what a twist what a twist he likes the look of Paige. he asks just her to take off her shirt as he'd seen Mm. on the tv Mm. and um she appropriately is disgusted by him and never wants to see him again yeah, this is where the famous scene that Paul was hinting at yeah. before <laughs> where she sprays him with a water hose after he's asked. Yeah. He asks her to take her top off. Unfortunately, they're lab partners and they've got a lab teacher that won't let them not be lab partners even though he sexually harassed her the night before. <laughs> when you put it like that, it sounds terrible. <laughs> but also she seems to get over that pretty quickly, especially when she finds out that he knows Shakespeare and she has to take a Shakespeare class because mm-hmm. it's Melbourne Uni and they have breath subjects. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of getting along a bit better. And he suddenly is like, oh, maybe I shouldn't just be looking, asking girls to take off their shirts. And then it's holidays. So what are they going to do? She's like, you come to my house for Thanksgiving. Mm. Which he does. Mm. And they race tractors. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of product placement for Pepsi, which is good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They had to make back their money somehow. That's it. Everyone loves Pepsi, Xbox, and Visa in this film, (laughs) more so than you would have thought. (laughs) But anyway, they have a kiss. Yeah. He charms the family. Yeah, they get back to school. They're now boyfriend, girlfriend. Ooh, la la. Um, They keep keep kissing, which is fine. People are allowed to kiss until they get photographed kissing. Oh, by the way, he hasn't told her he's a prince. Mm-mm. Yeah, sorry, that's a really big part of the plot. <laughs> Very naughty, Edvard. Eddie. Yeah, so they get started chased by paparazzi because they found out where Eddie is. Mm-hmm. He has to tell her that he's a prince, mm. and she's like, you really should have told me this. Mm. That sucks. Mm. Oh, all right, that's fine. I'll come to Copenhagen, and we'll get married. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, with her visa card. <laughs> um, Not just her visa card, all her friends pitch in as well. I've never seen a group of friends so invested yeah. in one person's like romance. 
I mean, I'm invested in your romances, Paul, but I'm not going to pay $6,000 for you to fly to Copenhagen after Elizabeth. I'm sorry. Yeah, fair enough. You sure? I don't know. <laughs> you say that now, mm. but if the situation comes up, I wonder. That's true. Weirdly, like, you'd think that that's a movie in itself, right? But then suddenly there's a new movie where she's got to impress Edvard's mum enough for her to be queen, which sort of is a bit of a left turn. Well, I mean... Um, Follows then, the trajectory of the story. Yeah, it does, but it kind of feels like a new movie. I was like, oh, no, we're starting again. Mm. But um, quite quickly, she charms people, but then decides she doesn't want to be queen. She wants to go keep being a doctor. And Edvard's like, you know what? That's a good idea. So she goes off to be a doctor. When she graduates, he comes to the graduation by surprise. And then it's like, you know what? We should get married now. No, no, no. That's not and- what he says. What? He, oh, no, he says he's going to wait yeah, for her. Yeah, God, get it right. You just to- changed the whole message of the film with that ending. He's like... I did, actually. You're yeah, right. He's like, I will wait for you no matter how long you want to go and do your woman thing. No, that's not what he says <laughs> yes. either. And but He essentially says, go do, do what you want and I'll wait. The important bit is that this whole bit sort of really is shoved into the last 20 minutes of the film. And just judging by what I thought the like the poster was and the name of the movie, I really thought most of it would be about her dealing with the fact that she was a princess, but it's really just that last bit. Like, most of it, she doesn't know that he's even a prince. Yeah. Did you find that? Anyway, it's your time for your your review. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, I watched it with Laura, which is really funny mm-hmm. because she was like, just watch it without me. Like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. But then she kept talking <laughs> about it. Like, she just kept bringing it up. And I was like, you clearly want to watch it. And eventually, I just put it yep. on when we were both there. And Laura is a serial phone user. Like, she can't... She's always on her phone. She's rarely watching something and giving it her full attention, which I find really hard to deal with. But for this whole movie, was she on her phone? No. She was completely captivated by this film, even though she will protest that that's not true. (laughs) But she she was watching it. She was, like, commenting. She was asking me questions about it. She was way more into it than I would have ever anticipated. Doesn't mean she liked it. I'm sure she would tell you that she thought it was terrible. But she was very engaged in the film. I definitely agree that it... I think it was kind of a movie that they tried to make into... They tried to take that, you know, that trope of, oh, I fell in love with a prince by accident or becoming a princess by accident. You know, like that whole idea of an unknown princess becoming a princess for girls. And they tried to make it a feminist version, in quotation marks, by having the ending that they had, which I appreciated, and having, like, a strong female lead who's interested in a career in medicine, blah, blah, blah. But I definitely think that they were trying to do too much to the detriment of storytelling, Mm. I guess. And interestingly, when I was watching the special features... They shot two endings, and the original ending, when she wrote it, who I should have the author's name, so it was written by a woman... Catherine Fugate? Yes, Catherine Fugate, thank you. Yeah. And she wrote the original script after someone had, one of the, like, some producer had been like, oh, let's do a story about a prince, a girl who, an American girl who falls in love with a prince unknowingly. Probably, but they never talk about this, but of course that must have been inspired by... Like Prince Frederick of Denmark yeah. and Mary, Ow, Mary, oh, yeah. right? That must have been. Because it's essentially yeah. the same story, yeah. but theirs is fictional. And- Frederick wanted to come to Australia to ask women to take off their <laughs> shirts. I remember that. <laughs> well, I actually looked up on their romance, so that's not what happened. But 
when they did meet, when okay. when when Frederick and Mary met, she didn't know he was a prince at the start. Not for long, but like when they initially were introduced and blah blah blah. It wasn't like here's Crown Prince Frederick of Denmark. It was like here's Freddie, Freddie, like Eddie. Get it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So she wrote. So they had one of the executives was like, "Oh, let's make this into a film." Well, I've got this great idea just spontaneously out of nowhere about an American girl yep. who falls in love with a prince. And then they asked this woman, Catherine Fugate, 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 to whatever her name is. Sorry. Catherine. Yeah. Can you say her name again? I is said it Catherine? Fugate. But... Is it, am I even getting the first name right? Yeah, it's Catherine. Yeah, it's Catherine. Okay. Catherine yeah. Fugate. I think they said Fugate in the special features. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So she wrote it, a couple of like drafts, blah, blah, blah. And when she originally wrote it, it ended with Paige leaving Denmark. The end. So it was more oh. like realism i guess because honestly could could you give up your whole life and your dream of being a doctor to go and be a fucking princess in denmark i couldn't oh i don't know (laughs) again ask me when it happens well i think the the main thing that kind of turns her off staying is how little autonomy she has she has to sit and watch eddie like negotiate yeah it's just very clear that the gender roles are extremely well-defined and there's no space for her to have control over any part of her life, I guess. Yeah. Which they do. I think they do a good job of showing that and showing her kind of growing dissatisfaction after she's been swept up in this romance and then kind of realising after, you know, doors are closed on her so she doesn't hear discussions, you know, different little things like that throughout the film where... It, she comes to realise that she really has no say in anything about her life if she decides to go down this this path. So the original script left finished with her leaving Denmark and it was like, that's the end. Because realistically, this relationship could never work with a person as driven mm. and as focused as Paige. And then, obviously, they were like, no, it has to have a happy ending. So in the rewrites and whatever, which I will... uh, This hasn't been confirmed, but this is how they phrased it. So originally it was written by Catherine Fugate, a woman. And then for the rewrites, to make it more, in quotation marks, contemporary, they brought in two guys to write it again, to rewrite it, who, I don't know, maybe it's them, maybe it was the executives. (laughs) I don't know who it was. Someone decided that they have to end up together because... We've invested in this relationship. And I mean, maybe when I was younger, I would have been like, yeah, they have to end up together. But I think now I would prefer if it just ended with her leaving. Yeah. And I just like the impression that I get of this film, like so many other films too, is that they had the, yeah, the, the story and screenplay by this Fugate there. And then just these two like really ladsy screenwriter dude bros come in and they're just like hey man you know duh, duh. and they just like they don't stop moving as they're changing stuff in the script then walk out of the room and people like asking <laughs> questions are like you've added in this soren guy like he doesn't do anything or really have an explanation well, and they're like oh no man it'll be fine man it's all cool you know and he's you know, real just so many soren yeah i mean he's not that actual person's not real but they there is a real job that is that job. To follow around the... Yeah, to be like a best friend slash person who organises everything for you. Yeah, and I guess it's like, it's a trope of this sort of film that there's always sort of like that wise, knowing person that, you know, like is on your side, but will also give him the heart, yeah. the stern word when he needs yeah. it. But I just felt in this case, there wasn't any of that sort of agency given to 
Sorin, this character, like, he sort of made an occasional wisecrack, but it wasn't much. He didn't really have a relationship with Paige, though weirdly when she gets to Denmark, she's like, Sorin, oh, I missed you, gives him a big hug, and I was like, you barely spoke a fucking word to that guy when... No, you're right, it is weird, yeah. like... If, for our audience, like, who I really probably, feel like they didn't know what. Who probably haven't yeah. seen it. We should just say that Soren is the guy oh, yeah, who sure. gets paid by the king and queen to go with. Um, it's it's part of the the deal in which they agree to Eddie going to America. They're like, fine, you can go, but Soren's coming with you. So he goes to try and like yeah. look after in quotation marks. But you're right, but, yeah. Like it, it very much felt like they put him in there because, you know, it's a trope of it, but then forgot to deal with him. But uh, sort of it's like, a bit of comic relief every now and then, like, you know. Again, yeah, I thought that was going to be his role, but he doesn't add that much Yeah, there's that bit that where, he either, Xbox. where he gets addicted to the Xbox. Yeah. I don't know. I, it felt weird. I felt like it was weird there, especially because they've got Ben Miller playing him, who's um, an English comedian that's often very funny in what he does. Yeah. He seemed happy but, with it in the special features. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure he was. <laughs> but, yeah, there was just so many sort of, like, little elements of that and where it just sort of felt very undercooked or, yeah, as, as I was sort of saying before, I feel like these dude, sort of two dudes came in and, like, wrote stuff into the margins and it just ended up being shot and then no one really know, knew why. Yeah, I don't know. It is a weird <laughs> why one. Why was there? It was a female director as well, which is great, obviously. Who directed the same woman who directed Valley Girl. Okay, I haven't seen Valley Girl. Do you know that movie? I haven't seen it either, but I've heard of it. It's got Nick Cage when okay. he was young. Nice. But I think that was like her big kind of... That kind of made her into a well-known director, I guess. She's Not that she's done a whole lot since then, except for these kind of films. But she said she mm. felt so excited by this script... She hadn't felt as excited by the script as since she did. Yes. Yeah, so I kind of feel bad for her that it didn't turn out as well as she had hoped. But, um, oh, well. And then when when I watched the special features, the interview with the two dudes who took over writing, they didn't seem like bros, but they were still They're bros. men. So, <laughs> awkward. Because um, I think, yeah, like, I haven't... And obviously... Your insight there also does come from the packaged material from the it definitely the prints does, and media. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So it's um, they're not going to be like. Imagine if you just had the director on there being like, "Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> this one, well, right?" I didn't, watch, I didn't watch the audio the audio commentary, and maybe it is like that. Maybe she's just like, "Ooh, ooh," the whole time. It'd be refreshing if it was. But then, look, I've, I haven't sort of spoken about how I felt about this movie, and I will now. Please, <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, like it was. Fine. I watched it with Elizabeth. You know, we had a nice night. Yep. It was fine. Occasionally, I was a bit confused as to exactly where they were going with a few things, but I didn't really care. The movie didn't really care. It moved on. Yeah. You know, yep. we got some CGI butterflies. That was nice. Yeah. And then, um, you know, everyone seemed pretty happy at the end. Yeah. I mean, I find the ending a bit frustrating because it kind of perpetuate that myth of women having it all like you know because we have been told so long for so long that we should be a princess but then now we're like no feminism you should be a doctor and now it's like now you can have it all but reality's not like that and i don't know your mom's a doctor 
and also the Queen of Denmark. <laughs> I haven't mentioned that before. Sorry, um, it just doesn't come up much in conversation. <laughs> this is the podcast she should be on if she's the fucking Queen of Denmark. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, it's Queen great. Doctor. It's great. <laughs> it's great to think that we can have it all, but I would like something a bit more realistic. Although maybe I wouldn't. I probably would have been really pissed yeah. off if if they didn't get together in the end. I don't know. But I, look, world. I'm going to disagree and say if I'm watching a movie called The Prince and Me, I'm not going for realistic. That's true. That's true. But it is Mary's reality, Paul. So It is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't she a doctor? She should have tried that. <laughs> I think she was a lawyer, wasn't she? That's no, not a doctor, it's is it? not a doctor. But we're no. not doctors or lawyers, so... No. <laughs> we do a way more important job. Who else is going to talk about the Prince and Me elephant adventure? <laughs> exactly. Literally no, no one. No other podcast <laughs> is talking about this. So I have a couple of things. I mean, there's not... I mean, like you said, I completely agree with your interpretation. It's a fine movie. Like, it's not going to win any awards, obviously. I don't know if it deserves a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like that's pretty harsh. I was really shocked by that too because yeah. I honestly just thought like everyone, especially because Rotten Tomatoes isn't, for people who aren't really aware of Rotten Tomatoes and how it works, it sort of says whether it gets a fresh review, which is over 50%, or a rotten review, which is under 50%. So a lot of films that are middling, like would be described by me as fine, I'm not giving it a negative review. I'd be giving that, you know, like... Two and a half. Two and a half stars. Yeah. And that would give it a fresh rating. Yeah. So, I really thought with this, it would get a abnormally high fresh rating because most people would be like, eh. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, but people obviously hate <laughs> but no, it. But no, I just don't know why you would no. unless you really were a Coca-Cola drinker and not a Pepsi That's drinker. That's true. And you just got really pissed off. Mm. You love that fucking MasterCard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> <laughs> but I think there are some funny things in this film, like, well, interesting, like the lawnmower race. I thought that was entertaining. So for, again, our listeners who haven't seen it, which will probably only be one or two, when they go to Paige's hometown, her country farm, obviously the prince learns a great lesson about interconnectedness and, you know, it's really moving. But more importantly, he gets involved in lawnmower racing, which is something I had never heard of before I watched this film. I think it's something that's relatively new to the world. When this film was released, I watched the special feature called The Lawnmower Race of The Prince and Me, um, and it had been around for like 20 years or so by that point. So essentially what they do is they take lawnmowers, they remove the blades, and then they just like soup them up so that they can race around a track and see who wins. Um, and that's quite a fun scene, you know, there's... Wait, no, wait, you've lost me. <laughs> lawnmower racing. Yeah. So, they take the lawnmowers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but importantly, Paul, maybe this is what's confusing you. Are you ready? They're, mm. they're ride-on lawnmowers. Oh. Yeah, they're not those pushy ones. They're the ride-on ones. Um, should make that clear. So, yeah, the special feature called The Lawnmower Race of the Prince of Me is quite... I quite enjoyed watching that. I remember it's probably the one that stands out to me the most from remembering um, the special features, remembering watching them when I was younger. Yeah, and that seems like a bit of fun. They've got the oldies doing, like, you know, the the low-speed racing and they're kind of just, like, bobbling Yeah, around. that was a bit funny. Yeah, it was cute. Um, and it's a real thing. They had real... You know, they had the real lawnmower racing association of blah, blah, blah come and 
help with that scene. They were, you know, there for a couple of days all working on it together. And, Paul, did you know, Mm -hmm. if you are so inclined, you can now join the Victorian Mower Racing Association. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19, all (laughs) upcoming events are cancelled. But if it wasn't, you could have gone and raced in Camperdown, in Mowy, in Lang Lang, in Dargo. Fucking Dargo. That's out my way. Great. Yeah. Well, I'll think about it in 2021. Um, and yeah, honestly, do consider it because it looks fun, obviously. And the, the, um, the website also looks like it was made in the 90s. Brilliant. It's a little bit of nostalgia for you. And that lawnmower sequence too was like it was another. I really enjoyed it, but it was another one. That fight at the end of it. Oh yeah, I think they just did that to show that he's one of the boys now. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like, because Frederick has to win over her two brothers, so he has to show that he's like a real man or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I felt it was another one of those ones that was sort of put in there because yeah, they might have had a point at some stage, but then didn't finish that thought. No, I think I think the point of that is to say he's one of the family. He cares about... He's on the family yeah, side. Look, he cares I, about winning the lawnmower race. I get the intentions. I just don't think they stuck the landing. Or, again, I just don't think they cared about the landing. I think a lot of it was, oh, yeah, this normally they, happens in one no, of these movies. Paul, I think they care. We'll I legitimately think through. they cared. So I think it just was a didn't quite go off the way they they seemed really like they seemed really into it but i guess they have to for the special features but i don't know yeah i think i think we're, <laughs> we're putting too much weight on the special features here that again we might we're just going to clarify they're not going to go in there and be like yeah we fucking churned this out to make some money folks you've bought the dvd well done i know i know but still you know oh dear okay sure um yeah okay so that was a good one i really liked that scene was quite funny. And then the kiss at the end is great. I love their first kiss. It's a great kiss. It's not... Wait. Oh, at the end of that. Oh, yeah. No, that's good. You're right. Yeah, at the end of that. When they're in the barn. When they're in the barn, yeah. It's very cute. Very yeah. romantic. Yeah, that kiss, great. Then later on, for some reason, another thing that I've sort of shoehorned in from the beginning is that when you like a guy or a girl or whoever, you take them to the musty book section and have sex. Yeah. In the stacks, in the library. Weirdly, they sort of mention that at the start, and you're like, all right. Yeah. That might be something they bring up, or it might be something they don't bring up, because they don't really have to do that in this movie. And then they do. They're just like, full on, like, let's go have sex in the library. That's what university students do, Paul. Crazy. Um, man, my university experience sucked. <laughs> um, I mean, wild Wisconsin girls, what can I say? So, another scene that I did not like it was so awkward was the scene where he so he realizes that he's running out of money because his parents decide to cut him off so he has to get a job so he gets a job at the same cafe bar thing that Paige works at and then one night you know they're cleaning up and there's just this scene of her dancing like she's like cleaning and dancing she puts oh yeah oh man man. so bad (laughs) so bad yeah. It's so awkward. Oh. And he's just like watching her and she's spraying tables and dancing. And then like I've worked in hospitality when I was at university as well and you can't just take your shoes off and like dance in no. barefoot while you're cleaning. And you can't just stop cleaning and just like do awkward twirls <laughs> around. It's just it was just so unrealistic and so cringy. 
It was terrible. It was so bad. Yeah, I know. It, it just really, like, that whole workplace, a lot of it weirded me out in that, like, you know, because the boss was, like, a nice guy but also, like, a real jerk. A bit pervy. Yeah. Yeah, super pervy. And then, weirdly, that whole dance sequence thing. And, the, like, I kind of expected to be like, okay, now we're we taking another left turn and actually she wants to be a dancer, a singer-songwriter <laughs> thing. And, like, you know, I was... Could have gone down that path. But the fact that everyone's just like, cool, yeah, we'll just give you all that space while we're just trying to get out of here for the night. Exactly, yeah. You'd be so annoyed. You'd be like, fucking hurry up. No one wants to stick around and clean up. No one wants to be like... Actually, that's not true. People do want to stick around when they clean up, but they're drinking and they're listening to like pop music or music that's going to help you keep your energy levels up. You're not listening to some romantic, swayy song so you can dance by yourself. That's it. But yeah, it just felt like another one of those ones where like someone was like, Oh, yeah, then he has to notice her dancing. Exactly, he, no- he has um, to notice that, her that free spirit, you know. It's that whole thing of, like, this free-spirited girl, oh, I've got to capture her. And then they're like, yeah, cool, we'll shoot that. And then they put it in the movie and you're like, Why? When, when did this yeah, get in here? they could have cut was- that out. Do you know, this is actually so annoying. Mm-hmm. I watched the deleted scenes. What was the first deleted mm. scene? That scene. Her, that scene. That exact scene. What? That exact scene was in the deleted scenes. But they just forgot but to they delete, didn't it. delete it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! It was so annoying because um, I was like, "Fuck, you're making me watch this fucking scene again." I had hated it watching it the first time, and now I'm watching it again in the deleted scenes. I think it must have been a bit longer or something, but for the majority of it, it was exactly the same scene as was in the movie. They just thought, "Oh, we'll just keep that in twice." Because um, I also had on things that I wanted to talk about, s- sticking with that workplace. Was so Freddie gets a job there by going for the job and using Paige as a reference. Mm, rude. I thought the whole point of, point of her reference was that the boss would call up Paige because mm. Paige has no idea that she's been used as a reference. Mm. And then also he gets in there and he's fucking useless. Mm. And this boss has already been like, if anyone's not doing their work, you know, you better get back to work or I'm going to kick you out of here. I've got so many people wanting jobs. And he's clearly useless mm. and clearly has no skills. Mm. Like, I just don't get how he. I guess. He survives, and also why she wants to help him, because literally the night before, he sexually harassed her in a really gross way, and she's like, oh, don't worry, I'll help you stay in this job so I have to see you every day. I think it's because he's handsome. It was, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, like, he's really gross to her. Like, yeah, but- he does just come up and be like, show me your boobs. Well, he does it quite politely. <laughs> I don't know. No, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. But the the film needs them to work together, I guess, because they need to be in each other's lives in chemistry class and, you know, in all aspects. Did he have to be that gross to her, though? Because I just feel like he starts at such a gross level that the quicker scent... I mean... um, You know, like, couldn't have he just ordered her to the table and, like, bossed her around because he's like, I'm a king. But, you know, doesn't say that. But, like, you know... But I think that's worse. Make me... Worse than when he goes up and just, like, take your top off now. <laughs> I think in like, the context <laughs> of the movie. No, I, I'm, obviously, I'm not advocating on the side of sexual harassment. But I think that because he thinks, I don't know, it's treating him like he's an idiot, which he is. But he he has taken this Wisconsin Girls Gone Wild thing, literally. So he now thinks that... All girls in Wisconsin just show their boobs at the drop of a hat. So he's just like, hey, can I can I see your boobs? Which now that those words are coming out of my mouth, <laughs> I'm like, what am I saying? But even that whole, 
the whole getting him to Wisconsin could have been handled better than that. That I felt the but whole they wanted him to change. Wisconsin they girls gone wild. Like grow up through her. He was already a dick. No, he, like, yeah, I just he was think a dick. This added, yeah, but I think this added a level of dickness that made it harder for me to forgive him. Come along with the movie that he really sort of got his act together so quickly. Like, yeah, if he was smooching girls racing cars, like breaking hearts, yeah, still a dick, still not wanting to you know take on responsibility. But the like, yeah, now I'm going to watch a porno. I want to go to where that porno's yeah. from. Well, it wasn't a porno. You know? It was Wisconsin Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> it's not. It's not just any porn. This is. But I don't think it was porn. It was like one of those stupid reality TV shows where it's like, whoa, you know, college. Uh, you see, I thought I thought it was apply- implying that it was an ad for porn. I don't think so. Oh, maybe. Okay. Well, maybe. Oh I've misjudged. no, maybe yeah. I've misjudged. I'm so naive. Paul, this is rated PG. It can't have porn in it. Sexual references. There are sexual references. Yeah, references to sex, not porn. Ref, Um, but yeah. I think yeah. Okay. There's there's many things wrong with this film. Mm. But I don't know. I just felt that one really sort of stuck out because there's. You're right. There's a lot of stuff wrong, but most of it's just like yeah. Um, but that one, I was like, yeah. You know. That and the CGI butterflies. You know why? I thought you said you liked them. <laughs> Why were they there? Why did they spend money to get shit CGI butterflies? Are you telling me that when you proposed to Elizabeth, you didn't have a butterfly? No, there's a couple of seagulls nearby, and that's the best thing. <laughs> this is bad news. You'll have to redo it. <laughs> well, do you want to know more about things that I learnt watching the special features, or do you have other notes you want to talk about? No, uh, we've already talked about the product placement a lot, mm. but it was just. It was just fantastic. You know, I didn't even notice. The, the, no way. No, I didn't notice. Laura noticed and pointed it out, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. The um, lawnmower scene, like there's just Pepsi mm. everywhere. Everyone's got a can of Pepsi. Mm. Then they add this character in that's the slobby roommate for um, Eddie. Mm. But not only does he have an Xbox and exclusively talk about how good an Xbox is. But also, he's got not just posters of Xboxes in his room, but advertising materials for Xbox. Well, better buy an Xbox. Then, yeah, when she goes to Copenhagen, it's this fantastic, like, zoom crane shot that just zooms out from the Visa logo and comes up. How did I miss all that? But, yeah, you're right. They needed to make make their money somehow. Yeah. Um, on The Roommate, this is the only uh, fat character that is in the film, and it's a bit... Actually, no, there's two. The guy who owns the cafe or who, the manager of the cafe bar thing is also fat. Mm. And, yeah, I feel like especially that especially with that character of the the roommate, it's very fat-shaming. It's like fat equals slob. Do you know what I mean? It's like how do we – how do we yeah. how what is the quickest way to show that this guy is a slob? Oh, we'll make him fat. And I feel like yeah. that's perpetuating a really negative idea of – fat people. I know, and especially when they really wanted to make the Xbox a positive thing in people's lives. Yeah. I don't know. Just Let's just have some more diverse body shapes throughout the whole film industry. That would be nice. Yep. In varying characters. Also, there's no people of colour in this film. 
just not at all. They don't exist in Wisconsin. <gasps> no, we lie. One of her friends is black. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so there's one. Our, there's oh, three if you count from her that family scene. coming in. Her family yeah. come at the end when they graduate. So there you go. Um, from that scene where right at the start where they're at the bar and she's like talking about like, oh, you know, I hope I get into med. And they're like, you need to relax. Here, have a shot. And her friend reaches over to a different yeah, table. takes a shot. Gets a shot off. And then just here in the background, someone will be like, hey, what'd you do that for? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but you would never you would never get away was, with that. No, especially now with COVID. Well, that's very true. Um, but also back then, like, mm. if you... Shots are precious. Money is precious to college that's students. That's like 12 exactly. bucks. You can't just steal a shot. Hey, why'd you do that? Hey, what are you doing? Oh, here, I found some notes that I made. Okay, yeah. I said, girl hates boy, classic rom-com storyline. I said it was often cringy. And then this is actually a good one that I was not going to mention, but now it's good that I checked my phone. Um, I said, what is with these wipe transitions? Do you remember them? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Every transition was like side wipe. <laughs> side wipe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? It was so that weird. That was something. I totally forgot. It was so... It was. Uh, why do people use side wipes? Yeah. It really, it really took you out. Yeah, it's like um, you're watching a film. Yeah, Very weird. Again, it just feels like they didn't put a lot of effort into finishing this up. Maybe they realised halfway through they were like, "Oh, we fucked it." Yeah. I mean, I don't know why either. Like, I feel like it, it had the makings for something good. Yeah, me too. That's why. Like, again, it's it's completely fine, yeah. but it does sort of trick you a lot of the time, where you sort of like, "Oh yeah, I know what I'm watching," and then you're like. No, it's making me think of what I'm watching, but it's not actually meeting those expectations yeah. sort of at any level. But it's completely passable. It's very, very strange. It's like a photocopy of itself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But did you learn anything else from the special features? Oh, this is a pretty cool little factoid. They were in, so they were filming in Prague, which sounds pretty, like the whole filming experience obviously is fascinating to me because that's why I love watching the special features. But filming in a different country where you don't speak the language must be you know just a crazy experience trying to direct people that you can't speak the same language with and all mm. that stuff having to go through a translator in my current job we speak with lots of parents who have um, languages other than english as their first language so i've been going through translators heaps this year um and it's really hard like it's hard to get your point across when you're talking through a translator especially over the phone but I imagine in person as well um, and it's hard to convey yeah so I think that must have been a pretty amazing experience for the the director and the execs filming in different countries but yeah they were filming in Prague and there was one time or you know a couple of days when Luke Mulby and Ben Miller decided to go out on the town in character so they like went and Ben, oh, ben yeah. Miller like went ahead and Luke stayed behind like pretending to like talk on his phone and like being really like secretive and whatever and Ben Miller would go ahead and be like oh sorry I, I just need to let you know that I've got the crown prince of Denmark here and um he would like to take tea in your royal cafe and they'll be like oh, oh, oh and everyone like freaked out and didn't know how to act and <laughs> they said it was a really interesting experience just to see how people responded to him when they thought he was someone important and famous in that way yeah, so I think that sounds like fun. Yeah, unlike the movie star that he never was. Oh. I looked up the original website for this film. 
it was on the Wayback Archive. What a weird thing to look up. Do films still get yeah, websites I, when they get released? I don't know. This one was just, it was at the bottom of the Wikipedia page, so I clicked through to it. Um, and it is just great. It reminds me of every sort of film website in the early thousands where I was like so excited about a film, I'd get on the website and there'd be the three links. One to the trailer, which my internet was never good enough to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd always be able to like upload, download the first like three seconds, I'd get the, this film is yet to be rated, and then like a logo, and I'd be like, ah, damn it, I'm just not going <laughs> to... A plot description and a photo gallery. And sometimes, if I really enjoyed the film, I'd print out with my colour printer. Oh! Those, um... No. And s- stick them up. Really? Oh my god, that's really funny. Yep. That's cute. But the website says it's now available on DVD and VHS. Ooh, and VHS. Just what we want. But on VHS, the, actually, the good thing about this DVD that I will say, like, this is a proper... If you have a look at this menu of special features, this is a satisfying menu of special features. This is what you want to see on your yep. DVD. None of that, like, you know, at one trailer and, I don't know, the fucking bios that you have to click through. Um, this is this is a good set of special features because I guess this was made in the heyday of the DVD. Yeah, like the films from the two thousands, I think especially really like knew that they were going to have to make a DVD special features yeah. list, so they they got people to shoot stuff for and it. And now, do you think that's happening? Like, what happens to because now they know it's going to go on streaming? So are they making special features? Yeah, I don't think so. It's so sad. I know we have decried this many times, but fuck. Mm socks yeah i did just want to talk about why girls are attracted to princess movies briefly because sure it is weird to me as and i guess this is another reason you know we talked a little bit about this in when we talked about ever after the fact that growing up as a young girl yeah that that idea of being a princess was one of the ones that is just i don't know you just want to be a princess and so having, you know, having seen, finding movies that were both princess themed and feminist, like Ever After and this film, to a lesser extent, Ever After obviously being the peak feminist. <laughs> yeah, good. You keep your mouth shut. Anyway, and I was just like, why, why do girls want to be princesses? Because Laura's niece is three now or four three i think um and she's just completely obsessed with being a princess like completely obsessed and my parents you know if you think about how feminist my parents were my mum used to go through books and turn he's into she's because there's not enough books with female characters so she used to like you literally get her white out out and white out he and write she which i think people still have to do if you look at the children's books these Mm. days there's just so many books about boys and way less about girls still to this day which is just crazy yeah so i was like yeah i mean my parents tried to raise me as feminist as possible but i still wanted to be a princess and i was like why why is that the case so i did some googling and i guess it's Mm. not that i mean it's pretty obvious the reason why would you think the reason is because it sounds fucking a ripper (laughs) well yeah does it though yeah you have no autonomy you don't get to you know i'm not great with autonomy yeah i'm much better when someone tells me what to do you make a great princess then paul oh shucks (laughs) well no i think if essentially what the article i did a very limited googling but this explanation makes the most sense to me it's that when young girls are shown 
films and TV and representations of female characters, they are predominantly princesses. So when we we mm-hmm. obviously as humans we we need to see ourselves represented you know in the world around us in the wider culture so we can it helps us form our identity it helps us form expectations for ourselves it teaches us about how we should um you know behave in the world i guess how we should interact with the world and the majority of female led films and books are about princesses so if you want to be a if you want to be the main character in your own story then the only option really if you're a young girl is to be a princess so yeah the princesses, i was just doing a think through in my head now yeah, like it's most of yeah them. exactly so if you're if you want to be i mean yeah and and most girls obviously do want to be the hero of their own story and where do they get to be the hero of their own story if you're a princess then you do have like in these movies you do have some autonomy you do have you're the one who drives the story forward you're the one who gets to make decisions and gets to have things happen exciting things happen and go on adventures Mm. but you can't be that if you're not a princess so that's probably why we all wanted to be princesses and still do that makes so much sense because any sort of counter character I'm trying to think of is never the main character. Yeah. So I did some also some more rushed research. I would also, if anyone is interested, yeah. Gina Davies is just a fucking hero, um, and she started a institute on gender in the media. And there's heaps of information that they've collated over the years um, about the ratio of men to women in different categories of film and television. And she was saying that in kids' films there's a ratio of one to three female lead to male. And then she said in the characters in the crowd, this this surprises me, but this is crazy, in like scenes where there's um where there's a crowd of people, it's seventeen percent women in the crowd. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like you just you think it's just yeah. a background scene. What does it matter? And they just cast more men to be extras so then whenever you're like looking around this world of this movie the majority of the people that you see in the scene just in the background are men so crazy yeah that is ridiculous and then i did a quick um count of i just look i just googled like the top movies for kids 2019 and then i went i did the top movies for kids 1995 but it gave me like the whole 90s i couldn't find a list for 1995 um, so, yep. so in 2019, of the top 25 films, there was 14 with boy leads. These are films for kids. 14 with boy, mm. boy leads. Four, no, five with girl leads. And there were, f- wow. and there were four non-white characters who were the lead in the film. Four. Four, Paul. And so this was... So, what was this time span again? 2019. 20, oh, jeez. <laughs> there were four non-white characters. Isn't that crazy? And I would... I have to go back and have another look, close look, but all of the char- all of the main characters were thin as well. There was no body diversity, no diversity of body shape. Um, and then I looked at the 2000 and... Oh, the 90s one. Mm. And, I mean, it has it has got better. Because yeah, I was I was thinking when you read out those statistics before, I was like, oh, I must have misheard. I thought she was talking about the recent one, but she must be talking about the nineties one. 
Um, no. Because that was bad, but I was like, I wonder what they're like now. Um, no, that's now. That's now. And then in the 90s, and this just gave me, this was very quick, so it gave me like a conglomeration of, it wasn't like all 1995, it was across different, but it was like the top movies. Uh, top, again, 19, I think it was, which is a weird amount. But anyway, that's yeah. just what they did. Um, 16 were male leads and three were female leads. And again, this is for kids' films. Um, and they had two non-white lead characters. So we've doubled since the 90s for in terms of non-white yeah. characters or people of colour being a lead. And I, I wonder too, because like when you think about children's films that get honoured for their diversity and stuff too, it's normally a, a, a non-white female lead too. So you, you wonder how much of the crossover of sort of minorities there'd be there. That's true, um, yeah. Or of... Um, underrepresented people because I feel like studios give themselves the big pat on the back by saying hey look we've got this you know person of colour female lead in a film and everyone's like ooh ah and but you know that's sort of like well we did that one and that sort of ticked everything off for the next decade or so it's like when people make vegan and gluten free in the same batch (laughs) you know some people are gluten free but not vegan and they might want to eat some cream and some people are vegan and they don't want to eat buckwheat why do you think you have to shove it all into one? Just spread the love a little. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, oh, well. But in some positive news, do you want me to brighten your day now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, go for it. So we'll end on some more positive news. This was not looking at children's movies, but this was looking at, I think, all movies, potentially. It just says that it was lead actors in films. So they were looking at lead actors in films and from 2011 till 2019 and they were looking at the gender distribution. So 2011, 74.5% of lead actors were male. That was 2011. 2019, only 55.9% were male. So... Wow. We haven't quite doubled the amount of female leads, but we're close to doubling the amount of female leads from 2011 to 2019. So it is getting better. I mean, it's a slow progression. There's like a few there, yeah. a few years there where it actually goes backwards. But, um, but but I feel like, you know, things are changing. Yeah. And the children's one is an interesting one too, isn't it? And, you, you know, I'm only speculating here, but you feel like a lot of people who are, um, I guess progressive who are entering the film industry with a, a desire to see change um not a desire for sea change but a desire <laughs> to see it um, i have a desire for but, sea change that was such a good series <laughs> that's it um but those that are coming in with a desire maybe are shying away from children's films because they're not seeing them as a um, legitimate art form you know that's it yeah well it's children's and films maybe hopefully yeah Oh, I was just going to say... Are they important? They, are really important? Yes, exactly. You can edit that together to make sense. Um, yeah, children's films are so important because yeah. they're learning everything about the world at that point in time. Their little sponge brains are just soaking everything up. That's it. But also, like, unfortunately, they're one of the only kinds of films at the moment that are going to make money. So it's harder, I imagine, to convince a studio to do anything outside the perceived norms. Mm. I mean, so yeah. I guess 
the thesis I'm arguing is people need to spend money on cinema and the arts. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I should just mention that, you know, we talked about the representation of women versus men, but can you imagine the amount of, you know, trans or non-binary characters and mm. say zero to none? Um, yeah. Not even getting measured. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Yes, a long, long way. So maybe we should write a movie. Oh, I think it would be shithouse. My oh, ideas are fairly cool. young. Okay, well, you, you know, I'm just saying, you write a movie will be great. <laughs> Mine are fairly trivial, my ideas, I feel. Well, I'll write the first iteration of the script and you can come in later to make it contemporary. I can bro it up. <laughs> exactly. That I have the ability to do. Great. What a pair. Wait, is there any Girls Gone Wild references in here? No. <laughs> Let's chuck one in. I know it's your favourite TV show. Don't pretend. That's how you knew it was a porn, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh, dear. So are you going to keep it? Oh, Paul, I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'm going to give it to the op shop. It's, um, yeah, I think that's fine for the op shop. It's important that girls learn they can have it all. They can be a, a they yeah. can be a queen doctor. Queen doctor Paige Moore. Exactly. I think it's fine for the op shop, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah, you can't get it. We had to. We, you know, lent it off. Fetch box. Fetch box. Whatever. You can't get it on a streamer. We've got a fetch box, What's and that? I typed it into that, and it said, like, it's like a, it's a box that comes with our internet, and it means you can. Pause TV and record stuff. Oh, and and gives us Optus Sport for whatever reason. And you can also. I just typed it in and it said you can rent it for three dollars. Oh. So I said, "Great, right. I will." <laughs> <laughs> and you never regretted it. I don't know when we'll get charged for it though. I don't know if that comes with our internet bill oh, or if some so guy funny. comes to our house after COVID. He like knocks. I'll find cash out only, later. please. Three dollars ninety nine. <laughs> We really, I really am jealous of your ability to pause TV. I, I want that. It's really good. It also means that, you know, we can pause at the start of MasterChef, go for a walk, and then press play and fast forward the ads. Yeah, we've been watching, well, we have, we, uh, when I say we've been watching, we've watched a couple of episodes on um, 10 play, just from, because having to miss it for various reasons. The ads are so, yeah. I mean, there's still ads, but there's there's so many less on 10 play. That's mm. a crazy when you watch it live to air. It's true. <sighs> um, next fortnight, we're going to look at Lars and the Real Girl. Woohoo! Um, yeah, yes. I can't wait. I love, I love this film. Should I say that now? Whoops! I loved this film last time I watched it, but I haven't watched it for maybe okay, cool. a so year. You'd- You'd seen it before? I've seen it uh, quite a few times yeah. because I often use it to talk about mise-en-scene um, in, yep. in film, in media. Yeah. I, I brought it up at school um, with uh, someone who listened to the podcast. Mm. They were just asking, what are we doing next? And he said, oh, yeah, we used to do that in Year 11 English. Oh, went, really? Oh. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a good one to demonstrate, um, you know, various techniques. Of filmmaking, mm. which we will get into more depth next week, next fortnight. Till then, stay safe. Yes. And don't scratch your discs. 
Is that a good sign out? I don't get no? it. Because, you know, like, if you get a scratch DVD, it's bad. Oh. No other level to it. <laughs> Look, I'm trying. I'm, I'm putting things in here. You are. I had nothing. Where's, where's your yes and? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I mean, yes and <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and question everything that you see on screen. And white out things and make them female or non-binary or trans. Or queer. Representation is important. The end. (laughs) See ya. Okay. Bye. How do we start it again? Just hi and my name. Yeah.